Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. What's up, beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of Creative Habits Podcast. How you doing today, my love? Well, how are you? I am okay. So today, we're going to talk about fear, specifically how we as human beings can face our fears in a society that constantly promotes perfection and a flawless mindset. That's right. Fear is natural and an intrinsic part of the human experience. But in today's world, we often feel like we have to be perfect in everything that we do. And that can make us unwilling to take risks or face our fears or even be ourselves without worrying about judgment. Exactly. So in this episode, we're going to discuss how we can recognize and acknowledge our fears and then face them head on in order to live more fulfilling and creative lives. And we'll also talk about how we can combat the pressures of perfectionism in our daily lives and embrace our imperfections and flaws. Okay, to start things off, let's talk a little bit more about fear. Indigo, what do you think are some of the most common fears that people face in today's society? Um, I guess I'd say the fear of the unknown. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of stuff happening in the world. Where we don't really have control or an idea of what direction the world is going into. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, I think a fear of identity, I guess. With a world that changes, you also have to kind of see how you fit in. in however society is forming or shaping. So I think we're constantly trying to figure out ourselves. And, you know, when you think you're aware of yourself, sometimes you go through a different stage in your life where things have to shift and change. Hmm. So maybe the fear of perhaps understanding what it means to be a human (laughs) and what it means to live in the society that you do or live in a space that you have created for yourself. I can agree with that. Another another fear that people often face is the fear of rejection this can come up in many different aspects of our lives from personal relationships to our careers and of course there's also the fear of the unknown we're hardwired to seek out certainty and predictability so the idea of stepping into something new or unfamiliar can be frightening very true But, as well discussed later in this episode, stepping outside of our comfort zones and embracing the unknown can often be the key to living a more creative and fulfilling life. There are countless of other fears that people might face, depending on their individual circumstances as well as their experiences. Definitely true. So what can we do to face our fears even in a society that puts so much pressure on us to be perfect and flawless? Well, I think the first step is to acknowledge and recognize our fears. We need to understand why we're afraid and what's holding us back from taking that action. 
So what is one of your fears? Just one. Yeah, just give me the the number one on the list. Number one on the list is being misunderstood. Hmm. I mean well, I have good intentions, but sometimes my my biggest fear is is being misunderstood. <laughs> yeah, mm. I think that's the biggest one. Why do you think that is? Why do I think that is? Yeah. Um I I think I've I've grown to be the type of person where people have spoken for me because I don't say much in mm. spaces. Um however if I'm vulnerable with you I can say a lot and you know that. We're we're together all the time and I have I, I can never shut up, right? But I think Growing up in the type of environment that I grew up in, because I didn't really say much and observed a lot, um, people would speak for me when I did have words but didn't really know how to communicate those words. Mm. And what was being portrayed or being said was something I didn't agree with, and I didn't notice that that's what they had assumed I was or that you know like when people speak for you it's not what you really think it's just what they assume you think so just feeling like I would allow those people to say what they would have to say I wouldn't believe it but I would allow them to think what they think without me you know kind of defending myself and I think a narrative ended up being created that didn't belong to my own or how I wanted to be seen mm-hmm. so with that insecurity of feeling like people speak for me so many times um, I fear that people don't give me a chance to show them who I am without them feeding off of whatever they've heard or what they assume they know interesting (laughs) okay it was a bit wordy but I hope that I articulated myself as best as I could Mm. what are your fears my number one fear Besides heights, is public speaking. Really? Yeah. Um, being dyslexic most of my life, right? Um, this is going back to like elementary school when the teacher just randomly picks you to read in front of the class and the words are all jumbled up in my mind from reading the page but it doesn't come out the way it's supposed to so basically embarrassment yeah so not only does like my form of dyslexia comes from like reading but it's also um the way i formulate thoughts and when i speak it's not as articulate as my counterparts, which is why when I'm having a conversation, it takes me a while to respond because I have to put the puzzle together in order to um, express myself in a, in a um, legible way. Don't you think it makes you a good listener, though, because you're processing the time that you're taking to actually Maybe. hear what somebody's saying? Maybe. Um, but but uh, it, yeah. it forces me to slow down um it forces me to read even though it may be tough for me and i've gotten better of course but 
even though I've gotten better, that underlying fear of public speaking still kind of like attaches to me for some reason. That's so interesting because part of my fear of like starting this podcast was the whole aspect of interviewing. Mm -hmm. And I always admired how well and how um, freely spoken you are when Mm -hmm. you talk to people. Whereas for me, that whole idea of feeling misunderstood, I'm hoping that I'm not asking the wrong question or responding in a manner where I, you know, I don't want anyone to feel any kind of way. But I also am timid about, like, giving my point of view because I've never really had to be able to speak up for, for or have an opportunity to have the space to talk to people in a way that I feel like represents myself. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. But I, all I'm saying is just knowing you as who you are. It's very interesting that your fears are something that I think are your strengths. I guess I guess we can say it's a strength, right? But some things, sometimes we have to do things or get out of our comfort zone in order to... Um, be successful in whatever we want to be successful in. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you don't grow without struggle. Um, I'm terrified of planes, but if you want to travel, more than likely you have to get on a plane to get somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. So I look at it like a necessary evil. Um, Speaking to people small groups individuals is one thing for me because it's more like a conversation mm, but if yeah. if i'm like in front of a large group of people giving like a lecture or something is is different mm. you know which is weird because one way i try to like face that fear or grow beyond that fear was being in a excuse me, visual and performing arts program mm-hmm. in Suleiman, mm-hmm. being in um, the theater club. And even though I did not um, act or perform as as much as, m- much as my counterparts, it still helped me to um, train that muscle of speaking mm-hmm. to and in front of crowds of people. So you're just constantly challenging yourself, right? To face that, yeah. Right. It's pretty good. What's another fear that you have? <laughs> you know, the the ridiculous one, right? So I'm somebody who's. I mean, it's gotten better, but I'm used to be completely terrified of birds. Mm-hmm. And um, just over time, it was so bad I couldn't even like really cook anything that was, a you know of a bird's descent, <laughs> a different type of bird, whatever. I could not touch touch a bird at all. So I've gotten to the point where I can make my family a meal and it'd be fine. So um, what if somebody lock you in a chicken coop when you was a kid or something? Um, no, but I do think that it did happen in the village where I was very young, like maybe Wami's age. Because mm. I'm like, I can't remember if it was a dream or if it actually happened. But my grandmother on my maternal side confirmed that, you know, what I had thought I had dreamed, but it ended up being true. I went to the village and somebody 
I guess, handed me a beheaded chicken. You know, like after you slaughter a chicken or whatever. Mm. Handed it to me and then it just started moving all crazy. Or something like it kind of flew on me. Mm. And I couldn't escape from it. So imagine being like little baby, kind of little toddler and having something flapping on you mm-hmm. with blood and no head. Mm-hmm. So I think just the fear of not feeling like anyone was saving me it from me, but just having something just die on me like that mm. was kind of traumatic for me. And I think moving forward, every time I saw a bird, I would think of that beheaded bird and the flapping. Um, and I couldn't like disassociate from that or I guess mature or grow out of it. That's crazy. But um, I've gotten to the point like, you know, a bird can be right there and I'm okay. It's just I may have trouble. You've gotten a lot better. Yeah. A whole lot better. I remember you used to like cross the street when you seen a bird. If you <laughs> cross see, the street. Yeah. If you I seen a bird on the sidewalk, you would just cross and go on to the other side of the street. Yeah. But now, you know, I could walk through. But it's like even sitting under the tree. I used to have a fear of like being under mm. where a bird lives. Mm. And even when I talk about it, I feel so embarrassed and know how ridiculous it is to be fearful of a bird. Mm. But I know it's ridiculous, but I still like even talking about the fear gives me anxiety because I know how I feel when I'm around birds. Mm. And even when I'm cooking for you, it's not that I, I have overcome that fear. I just force myself. So each time I force myself to, you know, repeat the cooking of the bird or being around a bird, it makes me less, sense, you know, like, what is it called? Desensitized. Desensitized to the idea of being fearful of it. Mm. I mean, similar to you with planes. You, you may never get over that fear, but each time you get on, it might be a different sensation that you feel. I feel like if we were meant to fly, we would have wings. <laughs> and I love, I, I remember you saying that to me. And mm-hmm. I was like, I get it. I really do. Mm-hmm. I, I get that fear. Because mm-hmm. anything can happen, but we are so trusting on the person that's flying the plane. You know what I mean? Like, literally anything can happen. I don't trust anybody that's flying me around or yeah. driving me around. Or driving, yeah. Mm-hmm. But even you them. don't trust hotels, so. You, there's logical things that there, you there's a, spe- a specific reason right mm-hmm. so my mother was getting her housework done and we couldn't stay in the house while it was getting worked on so um the insurance gave us a hotel to sleep at mm-hmm. and the hotel had bed bugs unknowingly mm-hmm. right Mm-mm. um we weren't really affected while we were sleeping in the hotel, but somehow they got into our luggage. And oh we were God. when we were able to go back to um, our house, wash the clothes, whoa, whoa, whoa. And somehow the bed bugs got into my closet and then on my bed and was tearing me up for like a, almost a year and a half. <laughs> Just getting eaten alive by bed bugs. That's a long time. Yeah. Bed bugs. So that's one reason I don't like hotels. Yeah. Because you you've you've seen what could happen. The yeah. worst of it. <laughs> Rather than the luxury. France is going through it right now. Their whole country is is big Ridden, bug written. It's crazy. Yeah. So what are you you know, some of your other fears? Despite what we discussed, like the fear of heights, but is there anything kind of 
outside of public speaking or anything internal that you have fears for? I fear that I will lose my love for art. Mm. I know a lot of photographers or a lot of artists who been creating for years but all of a sudden that that spark is no longer there that creativity is no longer there they fall in love out of love with the 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 art that's so sad it's super sad and and what's crazy for me is because like every day that i waste not making art i feel so guilty Mm -hmm. do you feel that way yeah i feel incredibly guilty and i'm like i know my spark will never die but I fear that when it's time for me to work, my hand is no longer able to do what it used to be able to And do. being trapped in a specific genre or field or art-related field that you don't particularly care about because it makes money. And what do you care about? Like events and stuff like that. Like that, I'm mainly a portrait photographer. That's what I focus a lot of my creativity towards, but when it comes to like weddings or events or this, that, and the third, it's not creative. It's not creative because I feel like I don't control what's going on. Right. I mean, you can help guide what's going on, but you don't have full control because at the end of the day, somebody is paying you for a service. Do you know what I think? Fear is that we don't particularly realize is doing Mm. is an enemy of progress number one Mm -hmm. and i also think that it's crutch and an excuse Mm -hmm. because it gets you in the way of actually pursuing what you need to do or delaying that process because i think about how fearful i have been to actually like put myself out there as an artist even the universe putting me in positions where I can do that thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like with this opportunity now that I have where I'm working, I have a good chunk of time to do at least one hour of something and be working on that thing for that day. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like how Junior goes to bed on time. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need two hours or I'm just making. And it's like, yeah, I'm tired, but if I really want it, I can make it happen. Let's go get it. Just go get it. And it's like, it's that fear, that that constant fear or that constant ability to make excuses, knowing good and well. You know what I think it is? Yeah. The fear of rejection. There's There's a part of it, too. Because as artists, when we create, we put all of our vulnerabilities into the art. We're exposing ourselves. We're for lack of a better term, naked. Yeah. And the fear of people or your peers or your counterparts or whatever not liking that art or criticizing that art. Not constructive, but criticizing instills a fear in us that we don't want to create because we create these scenarios in our mind that may or may not happen. Um, Just thinking to 
let me say like some photographers or some artists that you admire or looking at a creative that is very confident it's very easy to gravitate towards someone that's not necessarily sure of themselves as a person but sure of them being mm. a creative or feeling a sense of entitlement in a positive way of like I am the shit and I'm putting this shit out and it's not for you to think what you think about it, but it's for me to do what brings me joy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm like, there's like a blockage because that fear of rejection is not only just rejection, but sometimes there are artists like for me, I would rather not call myself constantly an artist or creative. I just like to draw, you know, like I just mm -hmm. like to make shit, but I start to feel intimidated when I start to have titles like, oh, I got to be this or I got to be that. Because now I'm thinking about all the things I got to be and losing touch of just drawing, just mm -hmm. making the work and not even thinking about everything else. But also, what was the point that I was trying to make? <laughs> Sometimes I think because it's a spiritual practice for us rather than it being more of something that's like a career or something that you, you know like it's not yeah. you know sometimes like it started very pure but it, now we've made it complicated mm -hmm. because there's so many because now we're making art something that's profitable or you know a career rather than a lifestyle you, it starts to put more pressure on you like I gotta do this I gotta do that yes yeah, so you have to do those things but now you're losing touch of just making the fucking art I think one thing that can help remedy that remedy remedy that is well this is what I started to do. I unfollowed all of the photographers that I admire. And just stop looking at the work. Just stop looking at the work. Because cause comparison is the thief of joy. And when we put ourselves in these um, when we put ourselves in these I wouldn't say unattainable but my art is different from your art. Your mm -hmm. art is different from whoever. Everyone has their own fingerprint when it comes to their art. Mm-hmm. Especially in the photographer world, when you look on Instagram or social media or YouTube, a lot of the photographers have similar work. Same work, same editing. Uh, Everything style. is one, two, three, ABC, all the same. Why? Because people. I mean, it's good to learn and absorb, but. What's the point of it if you don't utilize your own vision at the same time? You know, it's funny. Hmm. I didn't unfollow all the people that I admire, but I just stopped looking on social media. Yeah. So I'm literally going on social, like, let's say, for instance, Instagram, because I, I scroll on TikTok and I don't have to talk to anybody. <laughs> but, mm. um, and I don't look at art at TikTok, but for Instagram in particular, I just stopped going on there. And it's it's been very peaceful for me because it's like I actually can I actually have ideas now and right. don't feel like I'm taking anything from anyone, right. but also not oversaturating my mind with so much of it 
and it's it's a lot it's a lot so much but then there's so many beautiful and talented people on there but it's like i gotta focus on what i'm doing Mm -hmm. and that's it so really the only thing i'm gonna do on instagram is maybe post a story but i'm not looking at anything else Mm -hmm. like i'm not really looking Mm-hmm. I just do what I need to do, post and be done. I'm probably looking at stories, but I'm not really scrolling. How necessary stuff. is it for us as artists to post our work on social media? Um, it is necessary in this day and age because that's how you build connections. Is it though? What is the other way? Before social media, what did we do to build connections? Right. I do have a few of my friends um, that I went to school with who do not do social media and or are in social media once every year. Mm. And I do know in that aspect, it's like they are more extroverted. They, or they are more in of an in-person interaction type of thing. So they use that, you know, they'll email their, their connections or they'll go to events you know, that's important and to that's actually important. go out and, yeah, and touch absolutely. the people. And, and that's that's something where I feel like I used to do a lot. And now that I don't do that, I, I you know, I quote unquote only have Instagram, but I'm not I'm not that type of person. I've never been mm-hmm. that type of person to really like Instagram. It always felt a pressure to be involved in that space and to keep constantly posting yeah and posting, but and even to even when people with used to people post who don't post really give post. a fuck yeah i never was the type of person to have two thousand posts mm-hmm. some people do and that's fine but i've just never been an outwardly person like that and outside of this podcast and having these conversations it's it is a fear for me to speak because i'm i'm not a talker and i am very private I think that um, <laughs> you know, really so, social media is important if you're like an artist running a business and you're selling prints on demand or, you know, you have social media is good for having a gallery of your work, right? A portfolio. Of your a work. portfolio. Mm-hmm. But no, it's a gallery, too. Yeah, no. Because a right. lot of us aren't selected to be in these um spaces that a lot of other famous artists are selected to be in you know a lot some of us get lucky some of us have really good work but it's good for you know putting your work out there you know and hopefully you get some type of response if the work is good but at the same time we can't get caught up in it because it's a cycle. We'll just get, it's, I don't know, man. It's, it's like a necessary evil, but it's not though. There was a huge thing also though, like in the, in like 2017, 2016, 17 and 18 and a few before, but where I noticed a lot of artists refraining from posting because of the stealing that happens as well. Right, there's that too. Show social media where people don't give you credit for your work and will probably post and be like, this is my work. Yeah. But you know damn well <laughs> that yeah. it does not belong to them. But a lot of people's work not being respected and compromised or someone just seeing, oh, I like Phil's shit. Let me copy it and put it on a t-shirt. And it but you don't have permission. Yeah. You know, and it happened. And you pro- it's still probably happening and you don't know about it. Mm-hmm. People are weird on social media, man. So we spoke about um, 
what our fears are and what type of things we do can to to like face those fears are there any like other fears that you want to conquer or try to sort through I don't want to fear being myself and feeling like I have to adjust who I am mm. depending on the person that I'm around. Mm. Just being my true authentic self without apologizing to anybody. Mm-hmm. So the fear is overcoming and being like, oh, did I say the right thing? You know, oh, maybe I shouldn't come, you know, come in this space looking the certain way or speaking the certain way. I just want to be myself and be okay with someone not being okay with that. Mm-hmm. Or being okay with someone being okay with it. But truly truly being empowered and knowing that how I am and how I show up is perfectly fine. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. I think another one of my fears is being a shitty parent. Whoa. <laughs> and you're the best. For for your own, you know, offspring. Yeah. It's just, you know, just not being an understanding parent mm-hmm. and talking to instead of talking with type of parent. We both need untraining with that. And I mm-hmm. think sometimes I, oh, not sometimes, a lot of the times I check myself because I have to remember the things that I'm undoing within myself that I felt like I was inheriting from being talked at. <laughs> it's, it's so hard, right? So, because yeah. how, how can you aspire to be something that you never had any examples of? But it's great because it's also now blank canvas for you to do it the way that you felt like it should have right. been done. But at the same time, too, I give myself grace and I see you doing the best that you can and knowing regardless of what we do, our son is always going to find something wrong. And then when his kids come, he will do something differently. as well. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be that way where we're not going to get a hundred percent, but at least we tried. Yeah. 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 Build on it. Build on it. Build on it. So whatever it is that scares you, there's a few things that you can do to help cope with your day to day fears Maybe they're anxieties that stunt your growth and ability to transform. So the first one, maybe you want to take some time out. It's impossible to think clearly when you're completely flooded with fear or anxiety. So the first thing that you could possibly do is maybe (laughs) take time out so you can physically calm down. Distract yourself from the worry for 15 minutes. Maybe you want to take a walk around the block. Make a cup of tea or have a bath. Maybe listen to your favorite song. I love that. Um, Number two, breathe through the panic. If you start to get a faster heartbeat or sweating palms, the best thing is not to fight it. Stay where you are and simply feel the panic without trying to distract yourself. Place your palm, place the palm of your hand on your stomach and breathe slowly and deeply the goal is to help the mind get used to coping with panic which takes the fear of the fear of fear away 
Try this breathing technique for stress. Um, right. And you know what's funny? If I'm in a panic, let's say like a, a legit panic, I forget how to calm myself down. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you felt that way before, if you had a panic attack, but like just trying to get to that place of like, you know, like learning like breathe like you know somebody says breathe and you're like it's stuck in your throat <laughs> i know panic attacks are not fun i had mm. only had one yeah lightheadedness can't breathe you could feel it's like you could feel your heart beating your head yeah it's almost like you're about to faint yeah almost, but you don't like you're shaking trying to and yeah. i've only had it once as well when i was quitting one job and completely about to shut down but anyway it's easier said than done, but I, I encourage to try. Because even if I have, like, a fear or anxiety of something, I always, like, coach myself in the car driving to wherever mm-hmm. I need to get to to get that done. Or, you know, having a moment to be like, okay, get yourself together. Or, like, you know, breathing. One thing that works for me mm-hmm. is knowing that no one is entitled to my energy. That's a that's a really good one. If no one's entitled to my energy. Yeah, like if I'm in a frictional situation, you know, being I work in customer service, right? And a customer has an attitude, some people will talk to you in a manner to get to incite in a rea- uh, a reaction out of you, right? You can go two ways. You can not give them the same energy that they're giving you, and that more than likely will de-escalate the situation. Or you can just pop off and fight fire with fire. But either way, you'll either be out, uh, be without a job for temporary satisfaction if you want to throw blows, or you can get your ass kicked. So the best thing is just to not match that energy and not allow someone to bring you out of character because they don't they don't deserve your your, your that type of energy from you. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes people like to see the energy mm-hmm. <laughs> shift a little bit because yeah. they feel like they got one up on you. Mm-hmm. All right. So the next one I think that's very helpful is just go ahead and face the fear. Avoiding fears only makes them scarier. So whatever you fear, if you face it, it should start to fade away. If you panic one day getting into a, a, a car, for example, it's best to get back into, you know, the car the next day. Mm-hmm. Try imagining the worst things that can happen. Perhaps it's panicking and having a heart attack. Then try to think yourself into having a heart attack it's just not possible the fear will run away the more you chase it you can also look at the evidence it sometimes helps to challenge fearful thoughts so for example if you're scared of getting trapped in a car and suffocating ask yourself if you have ever heard of this happening to somebody ask yourself what you would say to a friend who had a similar fear this is one of my favorites because stress and I don't have a good relationship. <laughs> um, life is full of stresses, yet many of us feel that our lives must be perfect. 
bad days and setbacks will always happen. And it's important to remember that life is messy. Don't try to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Visualize a happy place as well. Take a moment to close your eyes and imagine a place of safety and calmness. It could be a picture of you walking on a beautiful beach or snuggled up in bed with the cat next to you or a happy memory from childhood. Let the positive feelings soothe you until you feel more relaxed. Sharing fears that take away a lot of their scariness. If you can't talk to a partner, a friend, or a family member, call a helpline such as Breathing Space. That is 0800. Don't read that, Phil. Oh, I was about to give him the number. <laughs> or Samaritans. I was about to give him the number. <laughs> Um, you could also try uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. I don't know what that is, but it sounds fancy. But you can also go back to the basics. So lots of people turn to alcohol or drugs to self-treat anxiety, but this will only make matters worse. Simple, everyday things like a good night's sleep, a wholesome meal, and a walk are often the best cures. One of Phil's cures every morning. Yeah, finally, (laughs) give yourself a treat. When you've made that call you've been dreading, for example, reinforce your success by treating yourself to a massage, a country walk, a meal out, a book. People don't watch DVDs anymore. Maybe you want to stream something or whatever little gift that makes you happy. How come you didn't want me to give them the hotline number? Because it's in a different country. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, basically these tips that we got was from NHS Inform, um, the UK website. So you'd be happy to check this out yourself. And they have some helpful tips and information. Call line Huh?